Well, hello, and welcome back to Skeptics and Seekers. Uh, I'm your, I'm one of your hosts, uh, Dale, representing the Christian or Seeker side. And I'm David, the skeptic. Excellent. So um, today uh, we're going to be talking about a subject that I'm interested in. I hope at least some of you guys are out there would be interested in uh, Bible archaeology and specifically the uh, what we can gather archaeologically uh, about the historicity of the account of the conquest of Jericho in the book of Joshua. Um, but just before we get into that, uh, just a couple of announcements I think to make. Um, so in, in my case, I know some of the Christians uh, have been interested, such as Joyce, uh, about my status and spiritual growth. And, you know, I've been mentioning that I'm going to be getting baptized. It's been, a, um, you know, been a bit of a wait, uh, about five months or so since I've converted. But as of this Sunday, I was officially baptized and I, I took part. In, yep. <laughs> Tony, Tony Costa was good enough to, to do that for me. And I also uh, got two for the price of one because I did, took part in my first uh, communion. Uh, service as well. Woo-hoo! All right. <laughs> hey, can I can I ask you a couple of questions about that? I mean, sure. look, it's only because inquiry minds want to know. Mm-hmm. So, your uh, baptism were you sprinkled, poured, or immersed? I was immersed. Baptismo is the Greek word. So, woohoo! <laughs> All right, we, uh, we the, the my particular brand of fundamentalist um, uh, appreciates that. Now, were you baptized in the name of God? or the name of Jesus, or were you baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? The latter. Okay, specifically, I don't mean in your mind, was that a specific formula given yes. when you were dunked? It okay, was, yeah. good, good. Uh, we've checked another box. <laughs> Great. Uh, now, uh, one more. Were you baptized specifically for the remission of sins? Yeah, so, so Tony uh, asked me, uh, three questions, and that was the very first one. Do you do you repent and uh, renounce Satan? Uh, so this baptism is for the remission of your sins. Uh, so yeah, that was the first point that Tony brought up. Excellent. Then from my very narrow uh, conservative uh, denomination, that would be considered almost a legitimate baptism. Almost, okay. Yes, almost. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. The problem is, still wrong denomination, so you're still going to burn in hell. But the baptism itself can't fault that at all. Okay, gotcha. All right, well, that's good. That's good enough for my purposes then. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect, yeah. And one thing on the baptism that you might find interesting, because Tony was telling me um, in the the early church or whatever, some people, some scholars say that you weren't baptized backwards, but forwards. Um, and in the Didache, it says you have to be baptized three times facing east towards Jerusalem. So maybe that might be, if you think that's necessary, then maybe my baptism wasn't that, uh, wasn't perfect. But um, yeah, that was just something interesting that Tony was telling me about there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. So I'm officially a baptized Christian, guys. <laughs> I'm part of the club now. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, um, let's get into the show then. Um so, yeah, with the historicity uh, of Jericho, I, I uh, was watching a video that I wanted to share with you guys by Dr. Bryant Wood. Um, he's a, an archaeologist uh, who studied at U of T, and, and he's a, an expert in Canaanite pottery. And he, he's done a lot of research because sometimes, um, I know David's not going to be doing this today, but there are some skeptics out there that are biblical minimalists. And... They will, you know, 
lay lay doubt on the account of Jericho and, and question and say that there wasn't even um, a city of Jericho at the time that the Bible says Joshua was conquering the nations. So was conquering uh, the Holy Land and these cities. So yeah, that if that's true, my gosh, that's a problem. It calls into a, um, question the whole account of Joshua's conquest of the Holy Land. So basically, Bryant, Bryant Wood has done a lot of work to try and confirm uh, certain aspects. He, he even goes so far as to say that he thinks Joshua's account of the conquest of Jericho represents eyewitness testimony. Um, so here, here's some of the findings. So in, in the first place, um, we found that the walls have collapsed, just as the Bible said. Um, so the Bible says the walls fall flat, meaning they fall outwards, creating sort of a rampart for the Israelites to get into the city. Um, or, or the Bible says the wall fell beneath itself. That's the way it, it says in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. Um, this, this has been archaeologically verified. Uh, however, I, you know, don't get too excited. This is just one little element. Um, as the archaeologist mentioned, the wall of Jericho fell many times. Um, but the interesting thing here is that it's the issue of dating because Kathleen Kenyon was a skeptic who came around in the 1950s and she was sort of the first to say, well, this account, she's the one that sort of based on some of the pottery and um, said, okay, well, the, the the walls that we're talking about that fell happened in the year 1550 BC. So that's in the late uh, middle Bronze Age. Uh, well, that's too early. That's a hundred and so years before Joshua was even born. Um, you know, the Bible wants to place it somewhere in the late Bronze Age in 1406 BC. Um, however, Bryant Wood actually detailed uh, and studied all of the pottery found by all of the archaeologists, including Kenyon, including Garstang, and he's confirmed, actually, no, this is uh, late Bronze Age pottery that dates to this period. So actually, the archaeology proves that this event happened exactly when the Bible says it did. Um, and another interesting finding is they also found grain, a full jars of grain in certain storage rooms. Now, this is weird because it, this can give us certain other data that confirm the biblical account or correspond with the biblical account. So, for example, with the timing of the siege, well, the Bible says that happened in the springtime, just after the harvest. Well, since we have these full jars of grain that haven't been touched, this seems to confirm the timing that the Bible says, that, that this siege, when these walls fell, took place just after the harvest in the springtime. Um, also in relation to, it also gives us some facts about the duration of the siege as well, because the Bible says it only lasted seven days. Um, now, obviously we can't get that specific from the grain. We can't say, it, oh, well, it proved that it, it uh, fell within seven days, but it's, it's still like this, Jericho was a heavily fortified city. It, it had its own well. It could have survived for months or possibly years under siege but we know that the city fell uh relatively quickly which is um because uh the grain was untouched they didn't tap into their reserves at all um so somehow the city fell before they had time to eat up all their food and that's that's weird given what we know about jericho archaeologically um also uh with again with the grain this is the last point 
but the grain was all burnt. Um, well, this corresponds with what Joshua, the book of Joshua says. They were ordered uh, not to plunder the city, but to you know take certain things uh, as a sacrifice for the Lord. Well, usually the normal thing in ancient Near Eastern context, and ar all archaeologists, this is actually a unique find because all other armies have taken grain, taken all the goods for themselves and, you know, to for their own benefit. But for whatever reason, they left these these grain jars and burnt it, just like the Bible says. So um, archaeologically, these are the points of congruence, or as David called it in another show, this, this is the thimble that seems to suggest, um, as Bryant Wood would say, eyewitness testimony. Um, I'll say this as my theological point, because I know David's David's not wanting to dispute the these facts so much. Um, he wants to get to the, the okay. Well, what's I grant all of this? What what's the theological point here? What what are you trying to argue based on this? I, I can grant the walls fell. Like maybe some army conquered it. They didn't touch the grain. The it was a short siege. Beautiful. I don't care. Um, so what I would say is this: is that in the first place, this is relevant because. It can take away stumbling blocks from skeptics or biblical minimalists who try to say, nope, this this never happened. The biblical account is impossible to have happened because of things like Kathleen Kenyon saying, well, the city that the specific Jericho you're talking about dates 100 years earlier from the time of the biblical Joshua. Um, in the second place, it could also be used as one indicator or one step of a cumulative case for possibly arguing the general reliability um, of the Old Testament biblical, biblical accounts and possibly um, even, as Brian Wood said, that at least this Jericho account has some elements of eyewitness testimony that are put in there. Um, now, because I know David's not going to be disputing my facts, I want, I want to be fair for skeptics and mention that there is a skeptical argument here based on carbon-14, my, my favorite. Um, so, so yeah, those grains, they did carbon-14 those, and they did give us back a date of around the 1550s, plus or minus 110 years. Um, so even with the plus 110, or minus the 110 years, it's, it's still too early to be consistent with the biblical text. Um, so there is that one data that the skeptics um, can use as sort of a counter and you have to sort of decide, you know, like, a, I, I think carbon 14 has been, has been shown on multiple occasions to be unreliable in certain respects. Uh, it's, it's not, I would, in general, I would say we, we can trust it, but you have to admit that there are problems sometimes when dating archeological sites. And for that reason, I think the evidence from pottery that, uh, is more reliable than carbon-14 in some cases and in this case. But yeah, that's up to you guys to decide. The main point of our debate today with David is probably going to be on the theological end. You know, do, what does this mean? Does it take away skeptics' objections? Does it prove a case uh, for general reliability, uh, either fully or in part, is what I'm going to be saying? So yeah, I think I'll, I'll turn it over to David at this point for his counter. Okay. Um, I like these shows where I don't actually have to give an account, uh, a counter where, when Dale just gives my opinion for me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> because, no, <laughs> no, like don't. Or, okay. that, that saves me uh, a lot of work. Okay. So 
mostly, <laughs> I, I think I could be snarky and just say ditto. Okay. <laughs> and, and, uh, I should have, I I not that I would, <laughs> No, I, I think I could just say ditto and come out ahead. Okay. Um, so if anything, talking will just hurt my case because I've already won before I <laughs> say anything. Okay. So thanks for that, Dale. Okay. Um, That's what I'm here for, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so that said... Um, let's start with the last thing. I, I did something kind of uncharacteristic of me, and I, I tried to take notes while you were talking. Okay. And, uh, you know, try to pretend to care about, you know, what you were saying. Um, so... Uh, Thank you. Don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually stayed awake this time and everything. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, David. <laughs> You're too kind. Yeah. So um, the, the very last thing you said... What was that? Um, let me just preface that by saying I'm not a scientist, uh, I'm not an archaeologist, I'm not even a fake archaeologist. This is not an area of science that I care a lot about. So, uh, and it, it, I don't care a lot about it. I don't know a lot about it. I haven't read many books about it. I've I've read some because I I read a lot, but it's it's not one of those things that caught caught my uh, interest and made me want to do more of. That said. The last thing you said um, raised an eyebrow, uh, implying that pottery is more reliable than carbon fourteen. Um, yeah, it can really. It can. It, yeah, this is common in archaeological circles. It, it, a lot of times, it is. Like I, I'm not trying to. I, I don't want people to hear me saying carbon fourteen is just always unreliable. In, in general, it's pretty good. But there are a heck of a lot of cases in archaeological studies where the pottery evidence has to take precedence, especially within this, you know, ancient Near Eastern or, or Palestine area uh, in this period of history. So, yeah, that that is common. Archaeologists will preference data from pottery in terms of... Okay, archaeologists may preference that, but why, I mean, is it actually more reliable or is that because the archaeologists can tell a better story with pottery? I think it's, well, yeah, it's it's been proven a lot of times to be actually more reliable. That's why they they preference it. Um, you know, I, you are a young earth creationist. You must know of all, all those lists that those, you know, people like Kent Hovine and stuff, they, they list off, you know, like I, I think even in my Shroud series, I mentioned that, uh, you know, they date Egyptian mummy wrappings uh, to be a thousand years earlier than what they really, what they are known to be. So it's, it's, people are preferencing other historical evidence or archaeological data and preferencing that with regards to dating over the carbon-14. But okay. the carbon-14 so is in... I, let I'm let not, me just stop you there. I know that C-14 is not perfect, but I in, in the early days of C-14, uh, there was a lot of bad uses of it yeah. because it's, it's only accurate up to a certain point. Um, and so beyond that, if you're trying to use carbon fourteen to, to date a thing, uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get some crazy results. We know better than that now. So I'm I'm wondering how old uh, this dating is, and if if it's newer, if it's more modern uh, use of carbon fourteen dating, it's it's hard to believe that that's less reliable. Uh, so it, it's one thing to say, well, carbon fourteen dating is unreliable if you look at its entire history. But a lot of its history, as I say, is, has been uh, 
ill use, which the scientific community would would uh, acknowledge. Right. So yeah, and I, I think you know, like there's there's been things uh, like isochron dating, which help help in this regards with some of the uh, tackling some of the assumptions and and. You know, they've gotten better at pre-cleaning treatments to try and eradicate certain forms of contamination. But it's it's still not flawless even today, right? You you would admit that. And yes, so I, would, I'm not, I would admit that. But I think, it, I'm not I think saying it's, to a, dis- it's rather more reliable than a lot of C14 deniers would say. And a lot of the C14 deniers tend to come out of the religious side of things. At least it looks True. like that to True. me because yeah. that's where I'm looking. And, and Brian, because I'll just C- say, Brian. C-14 is always debunking things that religious people are holding dear. True. And that, that's why I wanted to make sure to bring it up because I, I knew you weren't going to be questioning the history. And I think it's important for people to understand that there is this counter evidence that needs to be taken seriously. Don't just dismiss carbon 14, the carbon 14 dates willy nilly. Um, but even today, with, with all of their advances, it, it's still not perfect. And it's not the case that, oh, they got a carbon-14, that totally disproves it. Everything else, you know, like pottery, is, using pottery to date things is a reliable means. You can't just dismiss that evidence either. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to, you know. Well, here's but this. I, I think there's a little bit of bias being shown when you say, well, Pottery is reliable and C14 is not perfect. They both are correct, not perfect. Correct, yeah. They're, and they're both reliable. Yeah. So, you you know, I think that yep. just in how you present that um, can can make a difference. So I, I agree with what you say in principle, but I think it needs to be balanced out. Pottery is not more reliable than C14. C14 is not probably in this case uh, if what you're saying is true not more reliable than pottery they're both pieces of evidence that have to be taken into account Correct. and i'm not sure that it's fair to say that one overbalances the other now i okay. i hope that we've got some listeners uh who know a lot more about this than me uh who will educate me on the subject um and I would, I would like to see that. And if you've got uh, some links to share, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and put those in, in uh, the, the show notes in future shows. So, uh, yep. But I just, I just wanted to put, uh, mention that point first because it, it yeah. uh, raised an eyebrow for me. Yeah, and, couple, I, and I'll, couple, just before you move on, I'll just, I'll just concur. Yeah, the, the way you just phrased that, yeah, they're, they're both not perfect. I, I wanted to present all the evidence so yeah you, i'll put it to the listener you guys can decide for yourself maybe maybe research if you are interested in it research a little bit more into yourself about what i'm talking about with the pottery and then compare that also with carbon 14 what what are the modern developments and decide for yourself i've presented it um i lean towards brian wood's perspective myself but yeah uh, back to you david okay so uh you you said in your recap that if Jericho wasn't real, that would be a real problem. And I, uh, I wrote that down as a note because I questioned that. I've talked to you for hours. Uh, we've uh, shared uh, pages of blogs, and I haven't found very many things that if, if they're not the way the Bible seems to present them, it would be a problem to you. So I really question whether Jericho would be a problem, whether or not it was real. Uh, that I, in fact, I don't know too many Christians, even conservatives, if you prove that Jericho wasn't real, that that would somehow make them lose their faith. So I, I feel like you're overstating that point a bit. 
Um, well, I think you're reading in an overstatement there, because I didn't say it would be a problem for my Christian faith. <coughs> Sorry. Um, like, I'll still, even if it's proven to be totally fake, I'll still be a Christian. I can admit errors in the Bible. Therefore, as a, it's not actually a problem if it's not real. No, well, it, it's still problematic, even if it's not a problem. Because, okay, so because of my notion of undue confusion. Certain errors are more significant than others. So, so how is Jericho significant? I mean, uh, honestly, I it's because you of mentioned the... that I don't care about uh, Jericho, which is true. But if you take it out of the Bible, how is that significant? It's more significant than something like the mustard seed because these historical events are pivotal events in salvation history, the formation of the nation of Israel. Um, You know, I think I said, as an example, if Moses didn't exist, I would be about 80% sure that would cause undue confusion. I I haven't evaluated Jericho as to how much significance that would have, but it would probably be in the same ballpark if if the Jericho account were... I just doubt that seriously. It's a silly little story tucked away in a part of the Bible that nobody reads, and I I suspect 50% of all Christians never heard it. I don't I don't think it would matter one bit if Jericho didn't exist. So I just I just found that you're you're um, oh, okay. pre- presenting it as if you know I, this would be such a problem. If it's, if, if well, it's no, I didn't mean like it's a it's a problem. It's it's like the equivalent of proving the resurrection didn't happen or something. But I I, no, I think no, it wouldn't be that. <laughs> okay, I, I almost find myself number one in shock coming from someone arguing that biblical inerrancy is essential. Everything has to be true or else it all falls apart. But I want to say hallelujah then. If this isn't a problem for you, if this is just totally irrelevant, like, you know, like when I asked Gary Habermas about what, what it would be, what's the significance if we could prove Moses didn't exist? And this, you know, about Joshua's conquest, it would almost be in the same category for me or in the same ballpark. He was like, oh, nothing, 20%, I think that would disprove Christianity. So you seem to be concurring with Gary, which helps the Christian case. So, okay, um, if you don't, if you don't <laughs> care or find, find it significant. I question it when you say it, because you don't care about this stuff. <laughs> so no, but I, 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 this I, is, this is the thing. I mean, if, if I do, um, I yeah, care Moses to needs to exist. I understand that. Let, let me just, let me just get this out. But if, if frogs didn't rain from heaven, in the Exodus, you wouldn't care about that at all. Um, if if they didn't cross an ocean, if they crossed a stream rather than an ocean, I don't think you would care about that at all. If there wasn't a million slaves, if there were only a you know a few thousand, you wouldn't care about that at all. But suddenly, you care about this insignificant city uh, whose walls failed many times in history. I just don't think that that would be a problem. Okay, so yeah, like I, I would care about that stuff, but I, I wouldn't care to, because I, because of my understanding, I have that worst case. Like I, I'm usually approaching it from a worst case scenario. I'm assuming we've, okay, let's pretend these errors are true and they're proven true. Um, would that cause me? Would that be such a problem that I would lose my faith? And there, I'm saying no. Like Christianity can survive based on my definition of Christianity proper, can survive the loss of Jericho. It can survive the so loss of... That's mostly East what I'm saying, too. I'm, 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 I'm digging at you a little bit, but at the end of the day, we are saying the same thing. Hmm. This would not affect your Christianity one bit. Yeah, that's um, true. And so 
it, well, it, when it, I it say when I say you don't care, I mean I don't mean that you don't have any emotional thoughts about it, but it's not going to make a difference in how you live your life. You know what? Actually, not true. Because on a positive end, the fact that the fact that we're as part of a cumulative case, it might be able to establish general reliability, um, or if I could be convinced of eyewitness testimony or something that this would influence my view of the Bible or issues like biblical inerrancy possibly over time. Uh, you know, not just based on this alone in isolation, but if there's sort of a cumulative case where this pattern is repeated over and over again and establishes the general reliability, uh, that that would have a, a positive influence on my life. Like I would be... Okay. Yeah, more. Uh, you know, I might become a biblical inerrantist at some point. So or... let's 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 focus on that part, okay? Uh, because that's the part that matters to me. So before going into my next the the next phase of my rebuttal, which is honestly a half-hearted rebuttal, because I don't care. Okay, <laughs> but, <laughs> I know, I know, I've heard. <laughs> but still, Hopefully, there's some still, people out there. Please comment and let me know if you care about this, or if I'm the only archaeology <laughs> geek out there. I don't know, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, but even though I don't care, I still think that I've got a fairly strong rebuttal. <laughs> that said, All right. um, so before getting into the meat of my rebuttal, I want to do what you failed to do uh, when you wrote your article and when you recapped your article. You failed to actually talk about the biblical account. So you focused on uh, what you think is historical archaeology without the Bible. I see this on the Unbelievable podcast and other podcasts many times when they're talking about the import of a particular biblical saying or a biblical event. They never actually look at what the Bible said about it. Uh, I find that telling, quite frankly, because I come from a uh, Bible-centric uh, type of theology where the Bible is the first thing that you bring up and then you talk about what it actually says. Uh, so I, I find it a strange world where you can listen to hours of Christian broadcasting and no one brings up the Bible. Mm. Uh, so on an, on an issue like this, for people who don't have a lot of knowledge of Jericho, which I, which I think is most people in the world and in fact most Christians, l give me just a moment to do one of my terrible readings no, please. Yeah. Of, uh, of Joshua 6, 1 through 5. I would rather you follow along and read it yourself and not listen to my reading because I don't read well. Um, so this is, this is David's humility moment, um, the story of Jericho. Now Jericho was shut tightly because of the Israelites. No one was allowed to leave or enter. The Lord told Joshua, See... I am about to defeat Jericho for you, along with its king and its warriors. Have all the warriors march around the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. While the priests blow the horns... When you hear the signal from the ram's horn, have the whole army give a loud battle cry. Then the city wall will collapse and the warriors should charge straight ahead. This is a reading from Joshua, chapter 6, 1 through 5. This 
is bat shift crazy. Uh, and so when you're when you're ruminating <laughs> over whether uh, you should trust the pottery or the C14, what you really should be asking yourself is does any of that validate the only part of the story that matters? So um, in, in listening to um, Dale's recap, uh, he suggests that it establishes uh, a general reliability for the Bible. One of the questions that came to my mind is what biblical accounts need to be confirmed in order to establish reliability of the Bible. So really, is, is the only thing that we need to establish the fact that there was a city called Jericho at some point, uh, you know, give or take a hundred years of this time? Is that really the big deal that needs to be established to establish reliability of the Bible? I don't think so. That's that's not a very important fact. I can't write a, a book of fiction that doesn't include a lot of real things. If I wrote a book of fiction today, it would probably include uh, New York, which I'm which I'm in a lot. I live in New Jersey. Um, it would probably include some references to 9/11. Uh, it would include uh, you know it might even mention uh, Governor Cuomo. I don't know. It, it could it it could mention a lot of things that are real. And so if someone later wanted to prove that my work of fiction was real, they might say, ah, but you see, you can look, there, there is history about 9-11, and therefore that validates uh, this story as true. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't, not even the least bit. And so you have to ask, well, what parts of the story actually need to be confirmed before it serves as validation? There is no part of what Dale is presenting that validates God's intervention in some type of conquest. Not at all. Uh, there's nothing that validates that, uh, you know, seven priests walking around a city for seven times. What if it was six priests and they only walked around for four times? Uh, would that have made a difference? Well, Dale seems to think so because we can find a city that was conquered. I, I no, one does not validate the other. What about the seventy-six trombones that supposedly brought the wall down? Not one trumpet was found in the excavation, so we don't even have um, any kind of validation of something that would, you know, be referenced as a part of the miracle claim. So one of the reasons I don't feel compelled to argue against any of the data that Dale presented is because it doesn't present the kind of data that anyone should care about for validating the rest. It doesn't, in fact, uh, help with an acu a cumulative case because it's the wrong kind of data. It's just generalized data, and it does not show that this is uh, real and not fiction. Okay. Um, okay, so, yeah, in the first place, uh, as you know, um, uh, yeah, so let me say, I think you thank you for reading the Bible. I think that, yeah, that's a good thing that I should be doing is, yeah, let's first read the account. Um, so that's an important thing. And as you know, though, I, I have read this account. I, I am actually in the book of Joshua, and it was when I read this that sort of caused me to, okay, well, let's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take an interest and do sort of an expanded study, see what archaeology says about this. I, I did the same with Joseph and Genesis and 
uh, some of the things about the Exodus. So um, it's just not true that I'm not reading the Bible itself. I didn't mean to, just to be clear, I wasn't suggesting that you weren't reading the Bible. Just in the podcast. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just suggesting that when these discussions come up on shows like this one, mm-hmm. uh, the Bible never comes up. And so Fair people enough. outside who are listening to this, who are not familiar with what the Bible says, they never get a sense of what the people are actually talking about. Fair enough. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. So like I said, I, I do thank you for reading that. And I'll, I'll try to remember that if I do a show like this ever again. Um, I, I will try to read the Bible, Bible verses in, in whole as well. So, um, yeah, so in the, in the second point, um, I agree with you. Yeah, I can't confirm the full-fledged uh, story. Uh, you know, I, I can't prove the miracle. Like, I'm not claiming this evidence is a G-belief authenticating event in the same way I might with the resurrection or the evidence for the Shroud of Turin, where we, I think we can get God into the mix and verify that there was some kind of miracle. Um, this is really just one of those thimbles, as you like to call it. Uh, however, your your other your third point is kind of interesting because if I understand you correctly, you're saying, well, let, let's say it's not just this in isolation. For you know, if you want to prove some kind of general reliability, um, uh, you ha- and you have multiple thimbles. Like I can have a thimble with King David. I have a thimble. Uh, for the Babylonian exile and you know stuff like that like I have a bunch of thimbles to the point where I'm like okay now um, now we can say the Bible is generally reliable so when you when you read the the text you can take even the details that we don't have uh, ev- specific evidence for and, and trust yeah th- this is probably true um, you you would deny even that cumulative case for general reliability is that what you're saying yeah, so we're going to talk about cumulative cases at some point because that's a part of the epistemology series that we we have already begun in some ways. Um, so I don't, I'm not a fan of cumulative cases. Uh, yeah. So that this is already something that I'm not terribly impressed with. But if you're going to make a cumulative case, the pieces of uh, your evidence that you're accumulating have to be significant. They, they have to matter. So if all you've got are insignificant pieces, then you end up with an insignificant case. So one insignificant piece, you have an insignificant case. A million insignificant pieces, you still have an insignificant case. So it's, it's not just the number of pieces of bad evidence that you have. It's the quality of evidence that you have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if your accumulative case only accumulates bad evidence, then you've got a bad case. Uh, and in this in this sense, if you're looking through the Bible and just trying to find out uh, the percentage of things that are undisputably true, there there are lots of things that are going to be undisputably true in a book that big that goes over that much history. It's not all fiction. That's not the point. Um, in fact, I'll just pull a number out of my orifice, and we'll see if it, uh, you know, how close we can get to a number out of your orifice. I would say that probably if you take all of the names, places, uh, and events, let's just say that names, places, and events. Okay. Probably fully thirty percent of them, I would agree with without arguing about. Okay. That just you know, just I would just say absolutely true. Maybe forty percent. But then again, I could do the same thing with the Spider-Man comic book series. I, I could say that I, I, I could pro- I'm pretty sure I could get 20% of it as being absolutely true. Maybe 30. 
because even though it's a work of fiction, it's still using uh, real places, events, and people, or at least avatars of real places, people, uh, and events that you can recognize. So just because you have a certain percentage of true things in a work of fiction doesn't make it any less a work of fiction. What you need to do if you're trying to prove that a work of fiction or an unreliable work is really reliable is you need to focus on those things that are unique to it, that are, that are questionable, and that would prove a major thesis of its case. I don't think that Jericho does any of that. It's just a random place that had an event that is not supernatural, that requires no God. It establishes nothing. It establishes no more truth for the Bible than me using 9-11 as a part of my work of fiction. Well, okay. So I I would say, number number one, even if I agreed, which I don't, um, fully at least, I, I think that it would take away... It can be used as a defense. You haven't questioned that. You would, you would agree that if a Christian wants to use this evidence as a defense against skeptics or biblical minimalists who say, no, this is just complete rubbish, um, at least someone could use it to say, no, this is part of that 30% or part of that 40%. Sure, but I don't actually consider that a um, much of a threat. So I'm, I'm not the kind of skeptic that says, oh, it's complete rubbish. Once again, I don't think it's I think it's very difficult for a writer to write a story that is all fiction. <laughs> so either either they are I mean they may change the places and names to uh, protect the innocent or whatever, but they're still using avatars of real things. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's Middle Earth or you know a space odyssey. It's, it's very hard to avoid making allusions to true things. Okay. Okay. So um, now on the gener- the re- reliability aspect, well, I've heard a lot about you saying, okay, Jericho's a real city and the walls fell down. If this is all we had, um, I might be more inclined to agree with you because this they is a common... They were just bad wall builders. I mean... This, this you, happened... Yeah. You, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you said it happened several times. Yeah. They're really bad at building walls. No, well, it's... <laughs> so. They're earthquakes. They're in an earthquake um, along a fault line. So this is why it, it's a constant thing. Like, it's... And this is why it's hard to identify, well, which Jericho is there? Because they just keep building on, on top of each other. But what, what did you make of the grain? Because that gets us some specifics that are approaching the the fullness of the account. Because it gives us... The timing. These are these are things that are not common it, in warfare, it right? It gives it us. It doesn't the, actually get you. It doesn't no, get you anywhere. No, but it gets, all it, it says is an earthquake knocked down the walls. You know, after grain season, and it, what you haven't shown is any sign of a conquest. No, but it gives us the timing, the duration of the siege. So. So there. This, so this maybe is, there was an earthquake during the timing. It doesn't. The story is not about the walls no, fell at Jericho. Let, the story is about God. God miraculously gave this this uh, ill-equipped army the ability to knock down a heavily fortified city with trumpets. Okay, so so that's the story. No, no. Um, I think the yes, I, I, that's what I want. But we can't get all the all the way there. But we can also get the timing. These are details that are odd and would suggest wait, just wait and let me do it. So okay, so timing, the duration. Um, as well as, what was the third point? Uh, 
forgetting. Oh, the fact that the grain and, and the supplies of the city weren't plundered. These are specific details in the biblical account that are weird. We wouldn't expect it. In fact, it's it's unique. We we as far as I know, we, we don't have any other archaeological finds that nature. It's it's always whenever an army conquers a city, we never find stuff left behind or that should have been plundered and stuff like that. Um, so, okay, th those are the facts. That doesn't get us a supernatural thing, but it, it might suggest eyewitness or information about this story from people that would know details that wouldn't have been common. Um, you know, so it, it might suggest that it's reliable and that, well, it's coming from at least parts of the story are coming from someone who knows and you know over a cumulative case you might be able to say well i'm going to trust him on the miracle part then i can't prove that the walls collapsed by blowing trumpets but i'm going to take that because he was right about other stuff and uh, about you know other details he was someone who knows that's, that's nuts you're gonna you're gonna trust someone on a miracle because they told you something true about history so because I, I because I because I said because I mentioned nine eleven, you're going to trust me uh, on on the other story that I tell about this superhuman person who saved the fifty most influential people uh, from that building single handedly uh, before a thousand witnesses. Right. You're going to trust no, that part yeah. because nine eleven is true. Okay. So so no, I I said that wrong then. So no, because. If, if I could do that, then I would be claiming this is a G-belief authenticating event, and I'm, I'm not doing that in the same way I do with the resurrection or that sort of thing. So, okay, I, um, yeah, um, put it just as a historian, I think this can be used as one piece of evidence to suggest a general reliability or possibly eyewitness or close you tradition. You saying that, but, but, but you keep not validating that idea uh but let, let's let me let me just give you let me give you some of that so that so yeah. that you don't have to struggle with it so well, much we'll address the grain because i would i would like to know like you... sure let's let's address the grain okay. uh i'll address it with my 9 11 analogy which i'm getting a lot of mileage out of mm -hmm. uh i wasn't expecting to by the way but you know let's let's run this horse until the legs fall off okay <laughs> um terrible analogy anyway <laughs> Uh, so uh, think about all of those uh, break rooms, the refrigerators, the um, parties that may have been going on that day, um, and all of the uneaten food, all of the unopened boxes of donuts. Uh, think, you know, the, the whole turkeys that had been roasted for, you know, some potluck on the 95th floor. Uh, just, just think about all of the treasures, the jewelry that people put in lockers uh, because they, they don't like to keep it at work. You know, maybe they put their iPod in their locker. Just, just think about all of the treasures that could have been plundered but weren't. What does that, what does that prove exactly? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't prove anything. So, so in, in talking about your grain, so there's a bunch of grain. Maybe that matters if you only have the city being overtaken, like the Bible says, um, by a small band of people, and then God tells them somehow to not take the grain. By the way, was there any, any command in the story about them not taking the grain? Yeah. Uh, they were okay. They, yeah. So, so don't take the grain. Um, 
you know, I get. I guess that's one possibility. But if the walls fell by earthquakes, that would explain why the grain is still there. Now, someone who knew about the city uh, walls collapsing, uh, and they would have known that there were jars of grain because they would have known about what time of year it was. And they could have told a fanciful tale about an army coming in and taking it over with trumpets, with orders from God not, not to take the grain. It doesn't prove anything. It's, it's just a story, and a natural event is a better explanation of why the grain is still there. So there's, there's nothing about the evidence that you presented that would validate the biblical account of it. The, the grain doesn't actually help. Um, okay, well, I guess you're just mistaken about the grain. This is this is not founded. If it was just Jericho had dozens of earthquakes, right? This we know this archaeologically. We can see all the various layers of uh, you know of, of the city, and the walls collapsed multiple times. But there's no grain jars there. It's only in this period that corresponds with the biblical uh, biblical time frame dating of this conquest. That's an indicator. There's something there, and we know the the normal practice. And every single case that we know of, that I'm familiar with, based on what I've read, at least, you know, if someone else knows of a case where something like this is, is you know, please bring it up. But um, the armies will plunder and take um, take the grain, take the you know the gold and that sort of thing. Whereas God specifically said not. Take the grain, take the gold, take the children, uh, take the girls that have been uh, okay. So haven't laid with a man. Take, yeah. So we, you're not impressed. It doesn't prove no. a miracle, correct? <laughs> no. and, and the video, Brian. It doesn't even prove that they've been plundered by an army. I, I mean, I'm just saying there are naturalistic explanations for why grain could be there. Well, how did okay? And, if it's an earthquake, how did the city get burnt then? Because it's also burnt. Well, I don't know. Maybe I mean maybe there was an earthquake while they were having fires you know maybe maybe okay. maybe there were a lot of bonfires I, I don't know maybe it was the fourth of july for jericho and their fireworks show went wrong i have no idea it i don't have to know this, this is my point i don't i don't have to come up with a yeah uh an explanation for that because you have not come up with a reason for me to believe that a miracle happened yeah uh and as you know i i wasn't I wasn't trying to in, but, in my but, case but I you was... are but you are trying to make the leap from this mundane bit of evidence to maybe that confirms a miracle. That's the leap you are trying to make, and that's the leap I'm I'm standing in the gap and not allowing you to make. You're not. Um, yeah. You can't just make that leap because nine eleven was true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because as you know, I, I'm not. I was never trying to make that leap. I'm not trying, even now. I'm but, not, but, no, you, no, but, but you are, because you're, tr you're okay. trying to say that this is a cumulative case toward the reliability of the Bible. And, the, and, and so if you were going to try to, you know, get from here to there, uh, then, then there needs to be some kind of bridge that you're not building, and you can't just claim it that because this thing is true, that therefore the Bible is 5% more reliable than it would have been if this isn't true. Okay, um, so so yeah, I think we're going to be at sort of an impasse then because I I agree that I can't do that. I wasn't, I mean, you, you know, I wasn't originally trying to do that. I was more trying to address a, 
a defensive position against skeptics who claim there's no truth to this to this story it, it couldn't have happened kind of thing and then I, I brought in the general reliability aspect because to make it interesting for you because you you said you didn't care about that stuff but you were more interested in you know what what's the theological point you know what kind of mileage can we get get out of these these thimbles historical thimbles or the minimal facts so that that's why I'm trying to say well it maybe it could give a general reliability um, and if you can establish that then maybe you can throw in well I believe that it was an actual miracle they marched they marched around the city seven times and blew their trumpets and then the city fell down um, that's that's not 100% foolproof um, obviously, it's but. not. It's not one percent foolproof. You haven't. You haven't made one percent progress. And that's. This is what I'm. This okay. is what I'm trying to say. You. You have proved a thing that nobody doubted, and that does not help you prove the thing that people do doubt. It. It doesn't get you one percent closer to proving the seventy-six trombones. Uh, okay. Well, it's. I guess in isolation, yeah, like it depends on what value you see in general reliability arguments and how far you can you can take those or what the value of either eyewitness or, or close testimony might be. But yeah, I, I get what you're trying to say. Like maybe there was truth to this and then they just added in a miraculous element. I can't prove that that didn't happen apart from just saying, well, if it's generally reliable, you, you're, you could be rational in, uh, you know, trying to, to get that in or something and saying, well, I, I'm going to go with this. I believe that the miracle happened because he's right on all these specific details or something. Okay. So let me, let me just give an example that is, is not 9-11 and, and more closely related to the thing that we're talking about. Uh, because I, I actually think that I can sway you on this. <laughs> I think you already you already have because I'm not I'm not okay. trying to. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so I I mean I I am naive uh, because I still think I can make a difference. Um, but uh, Noah's Ark in the flood. Mm -hmm. uh, now I don't know if you're a flood literalist or not. Honestly, uh, w with you, Dale, I I can't tell what you're literal about and what you're not literal about. Uh, because frankly, I'm 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 surprised that you're literal about the, the Jericho. That's a good story. point. You bring up Matthew 27. I'll address that later as to explain the difference. So okay, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the, with the flood story, um, I have no problem with saying that there was his, a historical flood. Now, I don't know if there was a historical flood. I have I have no evidence of this. I don't I don't know, but it it doesn't trouble me. Mm -hmm. The idea that the Bible may have uh, been right about a big flood, because lots of places uh, had floods, and I don't know, we might can triangulate a lot of the old stories and find something that we could say, you know, this particular flood is what people in this region were talking about. You know, so we there there could be that. I don't know if that's true. I'm not making the case that that's true. But I'm saying that I, I wouldn't have a problem if that were true and we could trace the, the, the flood myth to an actual flood. That would not go at all toward, uh, toward supporting the biblical account, though. 
Because the biblical account is not of a generic flood in the region. The biblical account is a worldwide flood. Now, I know that this is a, um, mm-hmm. a matter of controversy for some progressive Christians. I don't know where you stand on that. Mm-hmm. But when you read the Bible uh, as, as honestly as you can, at least in my opinion, you have, to, you have to come to the conclusion that the writer of that story mm-hmm. was envisioning a worldwide flood that destroyed every human being except for one family and the animals that they... Uh, that they uh, put on the ark of, of their kind. Uh, and why? Because the world had become completely sinful, and this was a punishment uh, for humanity. It wiped it all out. It was a big restart. If it was, an, if it was not a worldwide flood that did all of those things, then it's not the flood that the Bible is talking about. So we can say, uh, well, look in history, you can see that there was a flood in the region. Can, can, I, so, can I interrupt you this? I could just ask a quick question on, on Noah's flood then. Um, let's, sure. let's pretend we could prove, because I, I don't even think, even if we could prove a global flood, based on your reasoning, you would still say, well, that doesn't prove there was some guy named Noah or or an ark where he took all the animals or something like that maybe. Uh, well, you would need to preserve preserve people, but... Yeah, like you would probably still say, I, I still don't care because you can't prove it was Noah. Maybe it was Peter in the ark or something like that, right? Am, am I, it, like, w- if someone could prove there was a global flood to your satisfaction, w- would you then be like, would you use that? Uh, to, well, that well, I would say that I would say that it would prove something. Okay. It wouldn't. Okay. It wouldn't. It wouldn't prove every claim in the Bible, but it would prove that this story wasn't out of left field, because you know, for starters, at least there was a flood around this period. So that would that would be something that we could mm. um, wrap our minds around. Okay. Uh, but and then to say, well, whether it was Noah, I don't care what the names are. I don't. I don't think anyone would know what these names were anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But. Um, so, but if we say, well, there is only one human family left after this thing, I think that would be probably something that we could figure out. Um, uh, you know, science could probably verify that. Mm-hmm. And there, there is no such period where, you know, we had a very um, diverse gene pool and then it narrowed down to one family group all of a sudden and then it started over again. That's, that's not a story that's told in archaeology. Um, and so, yeah, if if we found evidence of that story, uh, I think that would go a long ways toward proving that particular biblical account. The problem is we don't find any evidence for that story. In fact, all of the evidence we find is exactly the opposite of uh, what this story tells. And so... I don't. So it it is one of those things where uh, you can say, well, but there was a flood in the ancient Near East, and I would say yes, but that does not, in fact, uh, give you any percentage of the biblical story being true, because the biblical story talks about a different kind of flood and it's actually countermanded by this evidence and that and so just by saying there was a flood somewhere in the ancient near east where you know that affected a a few civilizations that doesn't validate the bible it doesn't validate that story and in the same way saying that you know there was a city of jericho uh you know and there was some grain found that does not validate uh walls being toppled by magic trumpets 
and that that is the story that has to be validated. Okay, so it would be sort of the different. That is interesting then that you do see that difference. Um, you you would see, and there is a, a difference between them in, in significance. But uh, okay, so it is the difference for you then because okay, if there was a global flood at that time, that sort of. Um, is it because that's the essence of the of the story whereas with the jericho it's more sort of incidental details that are being confirmed or is it the nature of the event like a global flood well that could only come about through some kind of supernatural or god-caused event and that's the essence of the story like is it the nature or is it the essential versus incidental that's causing the difference between confirming the flood and confirming jericho for you well i mean it's i mean it's the nature uh, I think, and just just the the literary material itself. I mean, what is the flood story trying to? What would it take to prove the flood? Uh, so, if you say, well, there was an ancient city of wicked people, and and we found evidence that there was these people who had wicked practices, therefore, the flood is true. You see, you can't you can't make that leap. Okay. Uh, I have no doubt that there were many cities at that time with people who did things that we would consider wicked, or that the ancient Jews would have considered wicked. So what? That doesn't prove a worldwide flood and God wiped out all the people. Uh, so how far does that get you toward the story? Zero percent. Okay. <laughs> if you can prove that there was a city of wicked people, and this is this is what I'm saying about Jericho. What parts of history do you need to confirm to confirm the parts of the Bible that matter? Okay, and uh, one this... one last question on on Noah, and I promise I'll, I'll stop after this. But um, so, and would you say so? Let's pretend we have this global flood. Um, what would that establish any general reliability um, with other stories about you know like Noah getting drunk and being naked or something like that um would that have any impact if we could prove this global flood would that have any bearing on this other story as well or they're just isolated for you i would say very limited uh because i would have to ask if everyone was wiped out who told the story um you know there there are there are lots of you know we get back to my 9 and 11 analogy mm-hmm. uh we can we can prove that 9 11 happened but hollywood and fiction writers will have a field day uh with that story for decades to come you know for all the untold stories you know that that happened surrounding that you know there's there's um opportunity for great fiction there mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if someone picks up any of that fiction later, uh, yeah, we, we've picked up the story because we, partly because we know 9-11 happened, right? And, and we're looking for some, you know, some other juicy bits or some entertaining insights, uh, about the real lives of, you know, or possible real lives of, of people there so that they're not just statistics, so that they're stories because we love stories uh and and we don't care if they're true stories even our fiction is a type of true story because it talks about the things that we imagine and about the things that do happen but maybe not necessarily to this character or that but you know we put them together uh in in ways that are entertaining and we call that fiction um so you know we 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 do that all the time 
So if you tell me that there was a city of Jericho with, with loose walls that fell a lot, and then there were these Israelites who, who were trying to make heroes of this, this time period, uh, and we got these mysterious jars of grain, hey, I got it. Maybe the Israelites conquered this city with the help of God, and he told them, because, you know, the moral paragons that they were, not to touch the grain. Okay. So I'm okay. sorry. Proving proving Jericho doesn't prove any piece of the rest of that. Fair enough. All right. I think on that that note, we've approached the we've uh, just gone over the one hour mark. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I think we've gotten down to the you know, the bottom line for people people to assess. Um, you know, not not just the bare bones in terms of it being a defensive case against skeptics, which is what my original intent of the article was, but also on a you know, what, what sort of positive theological implications does that have for general reliability? So, yeah, I think there's there's some stuff in there for people to chew on. Okay. Um, well, was there any, when pl- it, it was, plenty, of, plenty of grain to get stuck in their teeth. <laughs> oh, you're a clever one, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I'm working hard on this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think you did a, you did a great job entertaining my... Uh, my my interests. I hope they're not as idiosyncratic as uh, you make them out to be. I hope there there's at least some subgroup out there that that's interested in Bible archaeology and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was a good show. Thanks for doing it. Yeah. So I um I would love to tell you what we're going to talk about next week. Okay. But I honestly don't know. Um. Are you going to do listener feedback? I think you're. I'm going to do a feedback show sometime this week, and I'm not going to do. I'm not going to uh, since we're over the hour mark. I'm not going to do the feedback that we were going to do today. It'll it'll get covered in the next couple of days. I promise. Okay. Um. So uh, I will do that. Uh, I'm looking at a couple of different topics. Uh. The willful silence of Christians. Uh, with regard to um, bad Christianity, so when 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 good, good Christians are silent uh, silent about bad Christians, or Christians with bad behavior, this is one of these topics that um, Tara suggested uh, we should talk about, and I agree that we should. Hmm. She had a couple of suggestions, but that one um, that one's been playing on my mind for a little while. So I I might in fact challenge you on the idea of what the Christian responsibility is for sorting out their own uh, group. You know, should you, should you be more active in defining what Christianity is? Should you be more active in saying um, definitively that uh, some people who call themselves are not Christians and in distinguishing yourselves, you know, the, from from the bad ones, it's it's kind of the problem that Muslims have, you know, because you've got the 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 moderate Muslims, uh, and then you've got the crazy strap a bomb on yourself and blow up a building Muslims, but it's hard to tell the difference when the moderate Muslims don't verbally uh, and publicly separate themselves from that from that and so it, it just becomes all muslim and christianity has a similar problem is is so, this going to be like you you're, are you meaning this for our our show like proper the skeptics and seekers yeah, or yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking about i'm thinking about taking that on and seeing uh seeing yeah absolutely what we can get out of that so uh 
it, for those who are listening, this is how the sausage is made. Um, I, it's my turn to decide next week. I haven't decided, and I'm thinking that it might be something like this. So uh, when you hear this podcast, I will probably already have decided, but uh, I, would be, I would be curious to know how you would form it. it helped me formulate this thought uh, at any rate. So um, yeah. I think that's the show for uh, this week, and thanks, uh, thanks a lot, Dale, for, uh, for the topic. All right. Have a great day, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.